say I stay the same. Looking like I'm going to a Raider game. Raider game. No, I'm not the only one. We've been doing it like this since we was hella young. Yes, Lincoln Kennedy will join us here in just a few moments as Lincoln visits with us each and every Wednesday. Also, one hour from now, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Some of the things we're going to have to talk to him about certainly is the uh, Justin Fields announcement today. Second straight day, uh, Fields, by the way, if you're just joining in, uh, will start for the Chicago Bears going forward. He's their guy. And so uh, he had an opportunity against Detroit last week and against Cleveland. Cleveland, man, that was brutal for him. Brutal. He just had no time. Much better in week two from, what, nine sacks to, I think they got him once or twice against Detroit. So we'll see what the Raiders are able to do against him. We'll talk about that with Lincoln coming up in a few moments, but also with Chris Landry. For the second consecutive day, a high-profile player in the National Football League has been cut loose. Now, this one changed a bit today because it ultimately became a trade with the Patriots, but Stephon Gilmore traded for a sixth-rounder by Carolina when the early reports were they were going to cut him. Uh, Jalen Smith from the Cowboys was cut yesterday, so we'll, we'll talk about that. And the Niners, what we should expect from San Francisco now that they've had some injuries, even more injuries for them. And they got the big matchup with Arizona coming up this week. But Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, will join us coming up at 5. Also still to come in this show in the 5 o'clock hour, uh, we've been doing this all week and we'll continue to do this because the Eagles are coming to town and your chance to win tickets to see the Eagles. We will have that for you here uh, sometime in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll let you know how and what time. Um, for your opportunity to see them here at Golden One Center coming up next week. So we look forward to all of that. Baseball is coming up tonight, too, uh, with the National League Championship Series waiting. The Giants are waiting for that. Who are they, or Division Series? Who are they going to be playing? Is it the Dodgers or the Cardinals? Game one, uh, or excuse me, the only game, it's the wild card game is coming up. And earlier, uh, yesterday, of course, the Yankees are out. The Red Sox move on. They will get the raise. And then the last thing to kind of get everybody caught up on is Kings basketball, which we'll have tonight as the Kings in preseason action will continue with game two. They'll take on the Clippers. Clippers are an interesting team this year, too. We'll dive into them a little bit later because they had um, a really good thing going last year. Then Kawhi's injury happened, and then they kind of still found a little bit of a groove and ultimately fell short. What are the expectations for L.A. this year? We know the Lakers made all sorts of adjustments. Clippers, a few tweaks, but we'll talk about that uh, before the night is done as well. But uh, plenty of things to get to here in the NFL. One other congratulatory note I would like to give is to DeAndre Carter. And I will say this, I had a chance and fortunate enough to call games for Sacramento State for so many years. And DeAndre Carter was one of my favorite players to watch play. Uh, Played great years for Sacramento State. And then truly has been grinding, trying to find his way in the NFL. Has bounced around from different teams, practice squads, uh, situation here and there uh, was with the Raiders at one point. He was with so many different teams, had some opportunities and some stats with the Houston Texans. Well, last week, after being picked up in the offseason by the Washington football team, he returned a kick for a score. It was awesome in that game against the Atlanta Falcons, a kickoff return, 100 yards, his first career touchdown, and today he was named NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. So congratulations to DeAndre Carter. Some For some athletes, it's not as difficult of a process. You have a great college career, and you get drafted, and you get every opportunity. It wasn't the same for him. People questioned his size, maybe even his speed. Um, he's a good receiver. He's one of the greatest receivers the Hornets have ever had. But he's really made his way into the NFL with his ability to be a receiver, but more so a punt and kick returner. And last week for him to get that reward, and what a thrill that must have been going 100 yards 
for a touchdown for him. So I think he's the fifth Sacramento State Hornet ever to score a touchdown in the NFL. So that's pretty cool. So congratulations to him. All right, let's talk about the Raiders. We got Lincoln Kennedy here joining us. And Lincoln, uh, I- I'm thinking about this team right now and loved what they did early, right? 3-0 and start. I was seeing all the clips last week of them talking about starting fast, starting fast, starting fast because they haven't done that. So, Lincoln, I guess I'll start with this. If they're preaching it all week and then they have that half against the Chargers on Monday night, what happened on Monday? Well, you know what? You know, division games are always tough. And, and you know, you'll have a division opponent who's going to come out and, and with high intensity. But I, I look, you know, looking at the past month of football for the Raiders, I kind of blame it on execution. Early game execution hasn't really been as cohesive as it would like. Now, they've made adjustments, obviously, in the second half and were able to, to make up some ground. But, you know, these slow starts, you can't just spot a team 21 points and expect them to be successful, especially in the National Football League. Yeah, I had a couple plays during the game that I felt were important in the outcome. Now, obviously, the, the slow start was just critical, but it's 14 nothing late first half. Raiders have the ball. Ideally, you score to get a little closer, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, or at least you expire the time and don't let the Chargers get the ball back. But that third down run by Jacobs, which was ruled a first down, credit to the Chargers, they challenged the spot and the Raiders have to punt. It just felt like that was a sequence that was a big, not a big turning point, but a critical play because the Chargers scored. And now 21 nothing feels like just a, a mountain to climb. Yeah, you're right about that. And unfortunately, it's not something that's easy to do. I mean, as I said a moment ago, it's, you can't spot a team 21 points and then think that everything is going to be bad and come up roses for you. But in, in looking back at the game and watching the way the Chargers played them, understand this, the Bears, who run a very similar defense, are going to do a lot of the same things to slow down. Now, I'm one of the, those people that have patience and say I think the run game will eventually find its way back. But, you know, they made a conscious effort to try to get Jacobs the ball, try to establish a running game, and he's been off for almost a month. Uh, and I would have, you know, I would have much rather had them start Peyton Barber and, and use the runs that they had success with against Miami the week before, rather than going with Jacobs and, and trying to do the same runs. Yeah, and why did it have to be, I guess, an all or nothing? I had no problem with them seeing if Jacobs could go, but wasn't it one or two attempts? I mean, they didn't get anything from Barber. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing. I, it's uh, once that you question the judgment and, and the, the coaching style or why even have them on the roster if you're not going to use them. But, you know, it's 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 a long season, a lot of football to be played. I think they were just happy to see Jacobs back in. They were trying to get him up to speed. Now, credit to the Raiders. Obviously, 21 nothing. You just addressed it. We talked about it. I mean, you lose most of those games. Get the ball, score. Get a stop, score. Get another stop. So, Lincoln, it's 21-14. It felt palpable through the TV that, like, momentum had shifted. The crowd there was going nuts. What was that moment like with two straight scores, a couple of stops, and now having the ball in L.A. where the, the Raider fans were going crazy? Well, I mean, it was a great momentum swing, and it was a great opportunity for them to make it. But then again, you still have to credit the, the Chargers for making the necessary plays. They knew that if they could get some pressure on, on Derek and harass him, you know, and just like any quarterback, he's going to have some trouble. And they did that, and they, they were constantly under duress. And so even when the Raiders addressed their protection problems, and we're getting plays downfield. It just wasn't enough, and it just ran out of time. Yeah, I think that was another critical moment when, again, that 21-14, they're driving that third down sack. They're forced to kick. Carlson's been pretty good. He misses. And here's something I've been praising Coach Staley of the Chargers about in the couple games I've seen them play. He's a young coach, and he, he people have said he's uh, 
he's aggressive, and I love that his fourth down call. He goes for it. There's risk there, but he feels confident in his players. I like coaches, Lincoln, that kind of coach aggressively. I think players like that. He believes in them, and I, I think that's led to a couple of wins for these guys. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was disrespectful for them to go for it the way they did, but you're right. He is aggressive, and he trusts his offense. More importantly, he knows that the, the holes that the Raiders of defense that they were exploiting all game. I mean, the Raiders' defense until the second half really didn't play unlike like they did in the first three previous games. Um, they, they, got, they got a little shell-shocked, especially off that first drive. You know, uh, Herbert went six for six and marched down the field, got a touchdown. And then Chargers had a good game plan. The Raiders did address it a little bit, but still didn't have an answer for Jared Cook and their tight ends in the, their middle, the, the middle of the field game. Mm-hmm. As we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here, we do each and every week on Sports 1140 KHDK. So four games through, I mean, the Raiders would have taken three and one, signed up for that before it started. Now we've seen a loss. Um, is this about time, Lincoln, when, you know, they've already played two Monday nights. They've had, I guess they have a Sunday night still to come, but there's been a lot of kind of disjointed weeks. At what point do you get into the rhythm, kind of that real flow of a couple days off, practice, prep, game? And just when it, is the rhythm of a season starting to happen now for the Raiders? You know what? It's really hard to say because the way the season started with so many injuries that were long affecting, you know, they, they've got to tire two new guards that they, at the end of camp, didn't think they were going to have. They're still trying to get them, you know, uh, into the system and, and into the flow of things and more importantly, get Andre James. So they've got a lot of corrections they've got to make. Now the issues with the secondary and the injuries in the secondary mm-hmm. are going to play an issue going forward, especially in the, in the Bears game this week. So, I mean, they've still got a lot of stuff they have to work through, and I don't think they're really in a good rhythm. I think this is a, an explosive team that has an, a, a ton of potential. They just have to find their groove, and I don't think they've found it yet, even though they do have a 3-1 record. I, I know you said earlier that you expect the Bears to play similarly defensively that what the Chargers did. Uh, with their personnel, can they do it? Because I feel like Carr has handled most every kind of things this year wasn't his best version on Monday night but he's played so well this year how do you think Carr handles maybe another look at that type of defense with the Bears my my biggest criticism of of coach Gruden is in the staff is that a lot of times they're more reactive and proactive understand this just like the Chargers did the Bears are going to have three down linemen and two at what they call outside linebackers or consider or rush ins they're going to rush five so they can uh, they can isolate every offensive line for themselves and you talk about guys like Hakeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and those guys that are pretty good defenders on that Bears defense, that's what they're looking for. So the way that you address it, obviously, is you've got to have max protection. You've got to either have a tight end stay in or a running back stay in or both. But the problem is that that limits the guys who are going out potentially in routes selection and takes one of your other notable players off the field or out of the equation. So it's a little bit of a gamble how you do it. But I would appreciate it if there are a lot more um, reaction, I mean, proactive rather than reactionary because I don't want to see Derek get hurt. Now, the two games where they didn't take the take the uh, take it in consideration, they had um, Derek was sacked and caused a fumble both times. They won one in the Pittsburgh game and one in the Charger game. They did get the ball back, but at the same point, it, it could be something where you get your quarterback hurt. So we'll see how they address it. I, I like that, Lincoln, kind of to follow up on that. So if they're more proactive, if they do what you're suggesting where – Max protect, so that's an extra running back, an extra tight end, whatever it might be. Based on the Raiders' personnel, how would you do it? What would be the better setup to leave an extra tight end in or an extra running back in? Well, I would leave an extra tight end in. I would leave Foster Moreau in along with Darren Waller. And then I'd obviously you have your back who's going to chip. Um, and if they chip, they get out. Remember that and try to keep this in consideration. The, um, the, the, the Bears, just like the Chargers, are going to do what they do, call a green dog. 
when they see that back chip, he's going to that linebacker who's supposed to cover him is going to uh, is going to blitz. Well, what you do is you try to sneak the back out in the backside, and that becomes your checkdown route. And that's that's where Derek's aware of what they're doing up front. Can read the safeties. He can have a better uh, a better view and be able to take care of it a lot better, easier, handle it a lot easier. Yeah. So three and one, looking at the landscape of the division, good for the Chargers to be three and one with wins now over the Raiders and the Chiefs. Uh, you also have Denver, who finally lost their three and one, and Kansas City, the one that I think everybody picked at two and two. How good is this division, top to bottom? Because right now, record wise, suggests it's very good. Competitive, very competitive. Be interested to see how the Broncos bounce back or how, you know, the effectiveness of Teddy Bridgewater now that he's in concussion protocol. Um, but, I, you know, I thought the Broncos were just a quarterback away of figuring it out. You know potentially what the Chiefs can do. And then, of course, you have the Chargers and the Raiders right there. So I think it's one of the more competitive divisions in football. And just like the old days of the NFC East, I think these teams are going to beat up on one another. A couple more for you, Lincoln. We appreciate Lincoln Kennedy joining us each and every week. The Bears, you talked touched on it earlier. They make the announcement they are going with Justin Fields. How do the Raiders, you know, rookies, you can – he's got talent. He's got a lot of ability, but he's still new at this. What do the Raiders defensively try to do to make it his Sunday difficult? Well, the defensive line is going to have to start off a lot more explosive than they did in the Charger game. They have to keep, pick up where they left off in three previous games prior to the Charger game where they're able to continue to get pressure on the quarterback just rushing four guys. That's absolutely essential to the style of defense that Gus Bradley calls. Um, so they've got to pick it up, and they, they should have some success. But the thing is that maybe the Bears have figured it out with Justin Fields because he had a very productive game this last one and might be a little bit of timing where the Raiders are going to be stressed or going to be challenged. That's the big thing on defense. They've got to be sound. They've got to create pressure. But most importantly, they've got to find a way to harass Justin Fields. All right, Lincoln, I want to ask you just from your playing days, and it's tough to put you in the spot without knowing the, all the circumstances, but – uh, what's going on in Jacksonville and this whole thing with Urban Meyer? Uh, it just seems like a total mess for me, and, and I don't know if the players are are completely bought in and bought into what happened with him. What would that be like? I, I know you're not there. That's a really hard one to to put you in that spot. But if you ever lost faith in a coach, can you still play for that guy? How does that go? You know what? In the league, it's a lot different than it is in college, and I think that for the most part, NFL players understand that coaches come and go sometimes quite often. Mm. Um, in this situation, you know, every coach that I've ever played for wants you to buy into the system, wants you to become one like them and have the family atmosphere like them. And it's just when you do, just like when a player does stupid stuff like that and he gets caught, you know, the, the coach is held to the same level of accountability. Now, Urban has apologized for it, if you, you, you know what I mean, but for the most part, it still, it still happens. So there's, just, uh, there's so many questions of what the future holds for him or how the NFL is going to discipline him, and they'll be able to see firsthand uh, how things go on in this big corporate world. Yeah. Well, we look forward to uh, hearing you again this Sunday right here on Cage to KU and Brent, Raiders and Bears. Hey, only one game for you, Lincoln. This is a light week for you. Yeah, it's a light week for me. It gives, gives me a chance to, to focus on my kids and take a little <laughs> bit of a break. I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off for a month and a half there, so it's a little break necessary. Well, good. You deserve the break. We enjoy uh, having you each week. We'll listen to the call this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Lincoln Kennedy. Thanks to Lincoln joining us each and every Wednesday as he does. Interesting, his perspective on, uh, you know, a little critical of what the Raiders did in kind of just scheme and formation and protecting Derek Carr. That's why I wanted to follow up with him on, okay, what is the better way to do it based on personnel? Because I think, you know, there's always ways to counter what opposing teams do to you. But you also want to do it in what fits with your personnel. As Lincoln said, they have he would leave either an extra tight end or a running back in. So that's why I wanted to follow up. Like what is based on the Raiders personnel.
what's the better way to go there? So um, the other thing, too, and Lincoln's been talking about this for a few weeks, I under, I really do understand why the Raiders tried to get Jacobs loose on Monday. I mean, he's, he's a big part of what they want to be and what they want to do. But I just thought the balance of not getting anything from Peyton Barber, one rushing attempt. The week prior, the guy goes over 100 yards. So you obviously blocking – they blocked better or he understood the schemes, and certainly it's a different defense. But he was so effective, had the big overtime run against the Dolphins where Jacobs never quite got loose, never quite got totally comfortable. And that's something they're still going to work on and need to, but I just felt like there could have been a little bit more of a balance. Now, part of the result there we have to keep in mind was the Raiders getting themselves down 21 nothing. That's why I thought that overturned call late in the first half was such a big play in a 14 nothing game. Raiders wanted to convert that first down. That would have got them to about the two-minute warning, held on to the ball. I don't know if they score on that drive, but a couple more plays probably expires the first half clock. And remember, the Raiders scored the first two touchdowns after half. And if they do that, now it's 14-14 instead of 21-14. Didn't happen. Um, and I don't have an understanding of why this team has started so slow, especially when it was that point of emphasis. When they brought it up all week, everybody talked about it. They knew it would be important to start quickly. And here they were, down 7 nothing. That's okay, but what can the offense do? Nothing. They just never got going. We gave you those numbers in that first half performance. What, 50, 51 yards of offense, one first down, and 53 yards in penalties? Yep, first loss, but now it's kind of the news of the day that we talked about Justin Fields being named the quarterback a lot of talent but here's where you go okay Raiders you're not a great defense but you've improved what can you do scheme wise Gus Bradley to make it very very difficult pre-snap reads for Justin Fields seeing one thing and then the defense is something different that's what quarterbacks always talk about they'll he'll do a studying he'll be prepped coach Nagy will have him ready for what looks to expect what the Raiders run in certain downs and distance and where their strengths are defensively. But pre-snap and even post-snap, what's the difference? What what looks are they giving you? What blitz are you trying to pick up? Is he identifying all the things in quick time, in real time? That's the challenge of the position, and it's all, like they said, faster than college. When will the game slow down for him? It's different for every athlete. Some just kind of come in and have it. Others, it takes a while. And at that position, that is a brutal position. And it's certainly a tough one to master because that's what every defensive coordinator is doing each and every week, trying to trick the game, trying to stop you, trying to fool you, trying to make you make mistakes. And rookies generally make mistakes. And that's where you say quarterback for quarterback. Right now, the Raiders have an advantage in that one, in Carr versus Fields. Over time, Fields may get him. He's talented. But right now, that's an advantage for the Raiders. And I think it's important for them just in the landscape of the division, to win again this week and just to keep going, to just go past this bump in the road this last weekend with the loss and keep the pressure on on the other teams in the division, like the Chargers, who certainly look good, have two quality wins over the Chiefs and the Raiders, but they get the Browns. That could be a that That's a great game in the AFC. I really like Cleveland. Chargers have impressed me, but that's a good game with two teams that – look to be, at the moment, bound for the playoffs. So if the Chargers were to lose, the Broncos, there's still uncertainty right now with them. I generally like their matchup with the Steelers, but what's going on with Teddy Bridgewater? Still uncertain about his status. 
They're better with him than with Locke, though Locke can play, but they're better with Bridgewater. And then the Chiefs are playing, to me, in the game of the week. They're home. They're really good there. They get the Bills in Sunday Night Football. Buffalo is rolling. So you could have a weekend if the Raiders have it go their way perfectly. Come Monday, they could be in sole possession of first place. That's a Broncos loss in Pittsburgh. That's very possible. I know Pittsburgh struggled, and they got all this talk about Big Ben, and should he still be the quarterback of that team? I get it. But that's very possible for them to see another loss, especially at the quarterback position with Bridgewater, as I mentioned. The Chiefs and the Bills, that's an incredible game. And the Chiefs could play well and lose, much like they did to the Ravens. They could have won that game. But Baltimore's been chasing the Chiefs. They, that's, that's, the Bills are that team, too. They're, everybody's targeting the Chiefs. So you're going to get at people's best. You know, they're going after you. Best version. They're going for it. And then the other one is the Chargers and the Browns. So I could see that one being a tough day for the Chargers, too. So the Raiders got to take care of their own stuff. Worry about what they're doing and figure out why. Why these slow starts? And see if they can get that balanced offense because I like their skill players. At first, I didn't know that I felt like they had enough, but I think they do. And if the line can protect and give Carr time, I think that balance of run game and pass game with the weapons that they have as running backs between Drake, Jacobs, and Barber, and then certainly the receivers. Waller's gifted. That's He's a stud. That, that goes without saying. Renfro seems to be the hands guy that whenever you need a play, you go to him. And then besides that, yeah, Edwards and Ruggs. They've got pieces. They really do. So I'm anxious to see how the Raiders respond to their first bitter defeat, right? This was a game they should have lost. They, they, they weren't the better team that day. And maybe they got by a few early on. I mean, they, they snuck one out with the, the Ravens. I still think about that Monday night game, how wild that was, how many times they were shooting themselves in the foot, just self-destructing. Yet, at the end... They made the plays they needed to to get the win. Followed that up with a good win in Pittsburgh. And then the Miami game was all over the place, but yet another win. So the Raiders through four games, yeah, feel good. Feel good. Their trouble spots the last two years have been the last quarter of the season. They've just been a bad football team. Not even okay. They've been bad. They have totally faltered to the tape, right to the finish line. They have not finished strong. So they've got... If the more cushion they can get, I guess is my point, the better off. They could avoid a a slow finish. Now they are having slow starts to games, but they're finishing strong in games. Now we need to see if this team can finish strong in the the regular season games. All right, still a lot more to get to here on the show today. Want to dive a little bit deeper into uh, the Kings tonight. Preseason game number two. What to watch for. What combinations that I liked the other night a lot of three guard lineups we saw I mean we saw that as a prominent thing under coach Luke Walton and we saw so many threes attempted I know that's something the league has just done and the Kings are a part of it but I I had wondered about the collective shooting ability of this team well they shot the ball a lot and a lot of them be on the arc and they connected at a decent clip so we'll preview tonight's Kings and Clippers game from Los Angeles and so much more. And again, coming up at 5, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com will join us. We're back with more right after this on Sports 1140 KHDK.
All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHDK, we are at Golden One Center. The King is getting ready for preseason game number two. It will not be a home game tonight. The Kings are in L.A. to take on the Clippers in the second preseason game. I like this, by the way, as a fan of the NBA, the preseason. I know this is something that uh, in our radio broadcast the other night, I think Deuce said this off the air, uh, but as much as I get excited the second that the NBA is here again, it's still the preseason. You just kind of want to get through this because that just means we're closer to the start of the real season when the games matter. Like as much as I was impressed at times with what the Sacramento Kings did the other night in their execution, that was all great to see. But and it doesn't matter if the Kings go four and zero, zero and four, two and two, whatever their preseason record is. I, I don't know that I recite any other years where they had great preseason records or bad records, and what kind of indication it was on the regular season. It's about how you look against other teams, and the other part about. Monday's game was the fact that Phoenix didn't play with several key pieces. So, I mean, it would have looked different with Chris Paul. You have to take that with a full understanding. It would have been different if Jay Crowder had played. Um, Saric is going to be out. He's still injured with that uh, knee situation. And then Devin Booker. I mean, that's Booker and Paul are their two most important pieces. They weren't here, and I would have liked to have seen what the Kings did a lot of with the three-guard lineup against those guys specifically because of the experience and just the overall caginess that Chris Paul and, and the attitude, whether you like it or not. I mean, that's Chris Paul comes to play every time he's out there, and he'll trick up the game. He'll find the advantage that he can create. If you have a weakness, if he sees that you're uncomfortable, he's going to exploit that. And that would have been good for all the guards to go through, if that's Buddy, if that's Terrence Davis or Fox, whoever, all of them, Mitchell, Halliburton. And then to try to slow down a, a gifted score in the league in Booker. Well, they, those guys weren't there. So you now have that opportunity tonight against a Los Angeles Clipper team that I'm still trying to figure out where they fit in the landscape of the West. Now, obviously, they're good. That's, it's not to question their overall talent. But I think in the last couple of years, people were really thinking this was a team that was going to break through. And when you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you got a shot every night. I think the concern is the injury to Kawhi Leonard. When will he return? How effective will he be? And where will they be when he's back? How far down in the standings? Will they be a great team going in? Will they be scuffling for the playoffs? Those are the questions I have about the Clippers coming in. And a lot of the pieces that they had that have been successful before are back. You know, they'll still have Batum. That was a part of their perimeter. Reggie Jackson, who seemed to really break out last year in the postseason. Of course, Paul George, Marcus Morris. I like uh, Zubats in there. And the tweaks that they made aren't the big landmark splash free agent signings that they did the year prior in the movement to get George and Kawhi Leonard uh, the years before. But you see getting Eric Bledsoe. What will that do for this team? What kind of impact can... He now is a veteran. Bledsoe's already 30, 31. He's been around. He's played for several teams, but he's got experience, still quick. Maybe a bit undersized guard, but he just knows. He knows the game. They've also added a name that I don't know where he'll fit in the landscape of things, and I think just personally we're all so connected and attached and probably personally just fans of him, Harry Giles. If you remember last year's preseason, the short preseason that they had, uh, when Harry was playing for Portland, uh, he annihilated the Kings. But we even said then, we said, man, he is playing so well for them. How are they going to keep him off the floor? But then we also asked the question, how is he going to get on the floor with that roster? And it really just 
was going to be too tough with the other personnel that they had. So where's he fit in with this Clipper team? Harry Giles, Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, another guy that's new to the Clippers. And I was a real big fan of him coming out of college. I thought there was there was a nice spot for him wherever he went. And certainly with Miami, you know he's learned the right way. I mean, that's an organization. We talk about culture. They are going to force you to do it their way or you're gone. you got to be in shape. They, they are fully committed, fully bought into that where they – it's a requirement to be ready to go. That's non-negotiable. We're not going to have. We're going to just take that out of the equation, and not have to worry whether or not you're in shape. You're going to be in shape if you play for the Miami Heat. Now we're going to work on the the nuances, the other things, uh, team defense, your own individual growth, not conditioning. That's not what we're working on. So Winslow started his career there, went to Memphis. Now is with the Clippers, still young. I mean, it feels like he's been around a long time. I mean, look at his age. He's 25. Man, some of these guys that have been around a while feels like they've, you know, would be older than that, but 25 years of age for Justice Winslow. So the Clippers have a lot of the same pieces, a few tweaks. I don't see as many people having the same kind of expectations for the Clippers, and I'm one of them. Expect them to be a playoff team. They're always pretty good. They were so good at three-point shooting last year and still have guys like Kennard um, who can knock down threes, and really the whole roster could. Batum, uh, Reggie Jackson, Kawhi, Paul George – they just hit you in, with so many players that could hit threes. And how that kind of relates to the Kings, I had wondered coming into the season if the Kings had enough shooting. And I still wonder about that, partly because I think it's going to be less than a lot of other front courts. And why I went there was Tristan Thompson's not a three-point shooter. Rashawn Holmes was more even before he came to the Kings, but it's never been a high-volume guy. Alex Len, I've seen him warm up and shoot threes, but... That's not a feature in his game. So those are primarily the big guys. Um, and then Marvin Bagley, who I think has worked on that and has gotten better. And he hit, did he hit two the other night? No, he hit one, one of four. But he looks much more comfortable in that. I mean, much more. I, I think that's going to be a tool in his tool bag that he will use, that he will. It, it will be something that you can count on three to four attempts a game. And maybe on a good night, he's hitting three. That's awesome. But where it can change on the number of threes take, taken and made is with the guards. And, again, Buddy Heald is the primary three-point shooter on this team. He took 13 of them the other night. Harrison Barnes fired nine. And if Barnes is in that four spot or the three spot or you're playing the three-guard combination of basically uh, we saw Mitchell, we saw Terrence Davis, Fox, Halliburton, all those guys, this team in a preseason game put up 47 three-point attempts made 16 that percentage is 34 that's it's okay it's okay um but 16 makes is great and a lot of times we saw that last year when the kings would come in here and play a pretty good game and the opposing team hit 18 19 20 and the kings are hitting in that 11 12 range that eight made three differential is so much to overcome in the nba and the kings aren't a high volume get to the foul line free throw shooting team that they can catch you there because they also shot poorly from the line last year when they got there. So I I think one of the areas of playing the three-guard lineup that's a true benefit is the three-point attempts. It's just naturally going to fit into the game of Fox and Halliburton and Mitchell, Davis, and Heald. And then if you have the three guards, what you hope you can do, as Luke Walton addressed the other day, is are you going to defend well enough and rebound well enough to stay out there with that look. 
because offensively, that's going to be a really good look for the Sacramento Kings to play three guards. Now, watching that, De'Aaron, over the last two years, has become so much better off the ball. We all think of him as a point guard, and in the classic sense of the term, he is. Tyrese Halliburton needs to have the ball in his hands in a way not to which we think of that as a traditional bring the ball up the floor. He needs to have it in the half court where he gets to make a decision. He thrives in that. He had some great quick pass attempts off the ball where he's slashing, cutting. Ball gets to him, and it's out of his hands in a a half a second to a position of someone else closer to the basket or open. He's great at that. Davion Mitchell can create things for himself, for others. He gets a little bit loose with the basketball, so that's an early thing to watch, I would say. Buddy Heald has worked on getting better as a decision maker. It's not his strength. He's he's best in catch and shoot, and he had a lot of open looks out of that three-guard rotation last week, or excuse me, Monday. 13 three-point attempts is a lot. I didn't really feel like, I bet Buddy took two bad ones, maybe one. They were open. More than comfortable with Buddy Heald shooting open threes. Made four, that's a little bit low for him on the 13 attempts, that is. And I like him coming off the bench. So this is where an early season thought on Luke Walton is going to be is that that conundrum he brought up in the postgame the other night. He likes the look of the three guards, and I do too. In whatever the combination is, just in your mind, pick the three. It doesn't even really matter. I think you get good results there. You have some strengths to mainly offensively, but there's some things defensively, certainly with Davion Mitchell. And when Fox is committed defensively, he is really good. And then the instincts of, of Tyrese are fantastic. But do you get enough rebounding? Do you get enough defense? And does it overcome what you're missing? And I think that's going to be the rub here for this team. And the option then, when it's not working, when you're not shooting well, when you're not getting the offensive production, or you're playing just a bigger team collectively all around, you can go to Tristan Thompson and Harkless and Alex Len and Bagley and Rashawn Holmes. So I don't know if it's going to be on a night-to-night basis that the main core play differently, but I think that's something to watch and something that I don't know that Luke Walton will fully get resolved in the preseason, but I think he wants to have a better idea of what he wants to do come opening night as kind of a a core philosophy of these are my main guys I'm going to play and these are the guys that need to be on the floor at the end. And as many coaches that say I want my best defensive group on the end, at the end, you got to be able to score too and you got to be able to put pressure on the other team. And just based on watching Luke Walton coach for the last two years here, I think he's going to play three guards to close the game. I think he will. He trusts Harrison Barnes. He'll be the fourth guy on the floor. And if he's not in foul trouble, it'll be Holmes. I think Holmes will be on the floor with Harrison Barnes and then the combination of three of those guards, likely Fox, right? I mean, I can't imagine why De'Aaron would be out if he's healthy. Halliburton's instincts are so good. And then you can almost plug that third one in. Do you need the defense a little bit extra? you got a tough guard you're going against? Well, maybe Davion's in there. You need that ability to hit a big three-pointer, probably Buddy. Terrence Davis, too, with just the grit, the tenacity. Maybe that's a night where, man, he is crazy hot right now. We're going to close with him. That's how I see it going for the Sacramento Kings. And I think that's a good way to look at it right now. As they're healthy, 
as they're constructed and as they work their way through this preseason. Watch for some of those things tonight, which three-guard concepts and how effective they are. Because the other night in one game, we saw the best plus-minus with Davion Mitchell. He had a good plus-minus with Tyrese Halliburton. Those guys really helped this team. And then you get just got the overall talent of and steadiness of Barnes and Holmes and Fox. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But through one preseason game, not bad. Not bad for the Sacramento Kings. All right, still more to get to. Coming up at the top of the hour, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. He will join us. Also, the National League wildcard game will be underway. We will keep you up to date in our final hour of the show of the Dodgers and the Cardinals. And then we'll wrap things up with the Crossover Plus in our final hour as well. Your chance to win tickets to see the Eagles. They're here next week, October 12th, right here at Golden One Center. For tickets and more information, visit KH2K.com. That is coming up uh, about 545, your chance to win tickets right here on KH2K. We'll break. We'll come back. We'll go around the NBA, some other thoughts on what's going on in the league and some comments from those that have decided now to get vaccinated, including Andrew Wiggins. We'll let you hear that and more when we come back here on Sports 1140 KH2K. Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK, Jason Ross here with you. Kings basketball coming up tonight as the Kings take on the Clippers. We've got some more NBA conversation coming your way in a moment. How about the WNBA tonight? A couple of game fours as you've got uh, the Sun versus the Sky. Uh, Chicago leads that series two games to one. And they had that great first game, that double overtime game. And then the Aces... One game, one of that series with Phoenix, but Phoenix has now won the last two, so it's 2-1 Phoenix, and uh, that game four coming up as well with Phoenix an opportunity on their home floor to advance. Pretty cool today. The uh, Lakers and Suns are playing on that same floor. They had to move that game to earlier. They're playing right now, and I know the Kings played the Suns the other day. Uh, Phoenix looks a little different today. Jay Crowder starting. Chris Paul is starting. Let's see, did Booker play? No, Booker did not, but uh, the Suns, for what it's worth in preseason basketball, Final minute of the third quarter, just annihilating the Lakers, 99-72. I don't think LeBron is playing, but uh, Carmelo is, Anthony Davis. The rest of those uh, Lakers are pretty much in there. Bazemore, uh, Kendrick Nunn, Ellington, Horton Tucker, DeAndre Jordan, Rondo. Yeah, those guys are all playing Malik Monk. So we'll see. But right now it's Phoenix uh, up easy, up comfortably, 99-72. to A couple of things from the NBA. The NBA announced today they will no longer randomly uh, test players for marijuana this year. That's something they used to do. And, you know, I think just as a society, that's something that's a stigma that's probably, I I hope, to me, I I know I'll speak for myself, I just feel like that's changed. I I think that was such a negative connotation. I don't know that there's a positive one per se, but I just don't think there's the same perception on it. And so the league's taking the stance like, you know what, we're just not going to randomly test for that anymore so interesting announcement coming out of the league today but we also know still speaking of testing you know to come into here we have to have a uh, be fully vaccinated for those that work around the organization and fans still for now at least in Sacramento have to either be uh, have proof of a vaccine or a you know a a test there a negative test result that they have to prove so I, I you know we've seen it change in San Francisco certainly is a mandate in Brooklyn, we've talked about that with Kyrie and the situation with the Nets are in. And even comments coming out of there today, I thought that was interesting. I heard a quote from Kevin Durant saying, yeah, maybe I'm being naive, but I do believe that we are going to have Kyrie Irving as a part of this team. 
think that's a really interesting situation because he still has elected to not get vaccinated. And as we always say, yeah, you do have the option, but the league in certain spots, especially his location there in New York, he can't even practice with the team. To be in the arena, you have to be vaccinated. To play in your home games, you have to be vaccinated. And at what point will this become truly an issue for the Nets? They have downplayed it so far, and I know you want to support your player, but when your player can't show up to work and it's not injury-related, yes, he will not get paid. He realizes that. I, you know, this is a team that we gave. We told you the NBA uh, GM survey the other day. They are predicted to win it. GMs think they are the best team, and I agree with them when they're right, when they've got everybody. But what do you do with that Kyrie Irving situation? And I've seen it floated around. I actually thought it was a, a pretty um, interesting thought because we know what's going on with Ben Simmons and his, his unwillingness to show up in Philadelphia and play for them. Well, could you solve that on a swap across the board? Brooklyn, I think, would do just fine with Ben Simmons. Help them defensively. Offense, they have no problem there. Make it better defensively. Guy who could distribute the ball a little bit. You wouldn't really worry about his the holes in his game in Brooklyn. Whereas you send Kyrie to Philadelphia, probably a nice compliment to Joel Embiid, a guy who would be able to play. There's not the same restrictions in Philly. I don't know if that will ever become something that's a reality. There's more rumors that Philly – and Indiana are talking about a potential trade with Ben Simmons. But this is something that with such a high-profile player, and Kyrie's just different. He is different. And we'll see where they ultimately land on this with him because you want your guys to be able to play for you, and he gives them a chance to win a championship. We saw them last year, and, they, you know, again, they were, what, the, the big toe of Kevin Durant away from beating Milwaukee, but he did step on the line. And Milwaukee advanced. Milwaukee won the title. Maybe that's the Nets talking about a title, and maybe Kyrie retires. Who knows? I'm not sure what he ultimately wants, but he is, at this point, not getting vaccinated. Now, a different situation for the Warriors. We had heard that before with Andrew Wiggins. He was well aware of it, what it would cost him. He since has at least received one shot. If not, I don't know what if he got Johnson & Johnson. I don't know. I don't know that situation. But he has been uh, the first part of the vaccination, and here was Wiggins about that situation. They didn't make the rules, but you know, I guess to do certain stuff, you know, to work and, and all that, I guess you don't own your body. <laughs> you know, that's what it comes down to. If you want to work in society today, then I guess they made the rules of what goes in your body and what you do. And you know, hopefully there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, stronger than me and keep fighting and, you know, stand for what they believe and you know, hopefully it works out. I mean, I get his point, I guess, but yeah, NBA is a business. They want you to be vaccinated. They have made it very, very, what's protected the players is the players association. If that wasn't in place, I think it would be a mandate for every player to be vaccinated. Now in certain venues and uh, jurisdictions, it's been different, right? That's what, where this problem has come. But you technically, if, if Andrew Wiggins was on a different team, he didn't have to be vaccinated. He just wouldn't be able to be around certain players in meetings. He couldn't eat with it. I mean, they're just making it so different, difficult. You have to be in a different spot of the plane. And for players that I think want to have, and I don't use the word freedom too much, but all the freedoms, all the normalities that are out there, you would think the, the vaccine would get them closer to that. Um, but, yeah, it's their choice. Some of you out there listening probably have a workplace that is making you, mandating you to work at their company 
to be vaccinated. That's no different. This is the situation. I think about it when he says you don't have, you really don't have control of your body. If Andrew Wiggins tore his knee tomorrow, and heaven forbid, I would never root for that for anybody. But if he did, he doesn't have to get surgery. But I think for him to come back, for the team to want to keep him going forward on the contract, to keep paying him, and to play the game that he loves and he's good at, he should want to get the surgery. So it's an interesting situation. I don't know that there's um, going to be – I think the one to watch is Kyrie. That's the one. He's he's always thought of things a little bit differently, and I'm okay with different, but he's put the Nets in a difficult position. He really has. And I know that Kevin Durant, and I think for the most part James Harden, I think those guys are all good friends. And they went there seemingly to go together to win a championship. And maybe they can without Kyrie. I think it'll be more difficult. Or playing half the games. If he stands by this, is he not going to play in – some playoff games, and go on the road and play in the – I mean, that'll be a bizarre look. It's it's potential for that, or is he even going to get that far? So I think it's it's something to watch, to follow, and maybe it's not going to be an everyday issue, but it is for the Nets. It will be for them. So we will follow that. All right, final hour coming up in this last hour. Like we said, your chance to win tickets to see the Eagles. We also will update you on the Major League playoffs. But when we come back, Chris Landry. LandryFootball.com, his weekly visit. We've got lots to cover, college football, and certainly another week of exciting action in the NFL. He joins us when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK.